Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team. We know leadership is already challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down. Another Enneagram podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Hey, welcome back to another Enneagram podcast. You got your host Ryan and Cody here. And today on the podcast, we have an interview with a really good mutual friend of both of ours, uh, Mr. Matthew Hep. Matthew Hep. Matthew Hep. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've never called him Matthew before. Me either. I just thought that it would be funny for this uh, to, to call him Matthew. It sounds pretty like dignified and it regal. It does. It does. Right. Just kind of like rolls off the tongue, either. Yeah. If you had to rate Matthew on a scale of one to ten, though, as far as dignified and regal goes, probably not two words <laughs> that I would use. Um, it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe in the right setting, you know, he could be those things. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. We love. We love Matthew. We we do. Uh, Matt is an Enneagram three, mm-hmm. and he. Uh, we've both done a lot of different things with him. You've yeah. done a podcast previously yes. with him. Uh, he was a groomsman in my wedding. Oh yeah, uh, and so we we both have quite a few ties to to old Matthew Hep. And uh, dude, what did you think of his interview? I thought that stepping into an enneagram conversation with a three. I've actually heard other podcasts where they do this. They brought a three on. The three starts talking about all the things that they've done, and then halfway through it turns into like a counseling session. It was so cool to see a three who's done a lot of work. Dude. Like Matt has done a lot of work, and to step into yeah. honestly just a real free flowing conversation, um, and just to get to hear the heart yeah. behind um, you know the the story of a three who's gone through everything from brokenness to you know, um, you know, some success and, um, and is now kind of, yeah, really finding his lane in life. And yeah. so, you know, in knowing Matt a long time, I just thought it was a really cool episode, um, to get to hear uh, a different side to his story. Um, but as a, from an Enneagram standpoint and a leadership standpoint, I think it's going to be so great for Enneagram threes to dive into this episode, um, with a cup of coffee and allow themselves to, yeah, maybe, maybe, share some uh, of the the more emotional sides of, yeah. of this with Matt. I think it's going to be cool. Well, and it was it was so honest and so vulnerable, I yeah, felt like. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I just loved that part of it. You know, you mentioned feeling the heart of it, which a lot of times threes struggle with that emotional piece. Even though they are emotional, most threes don't like to be perceived as emotional. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that you'll hear – Hep talk about in the podcast was he has struggled in the past to decide if he's a three or a four, right? And fours tend to be very emotional, you know, more in touch with emotions than pretty much any other number. Mm. And so to to kind of vacillate between the three who tries to not be emotional and the four who almost believes that emotion is all mm. that there is, um, I, it's just a very interesting combination. I think what we decided, what he's decided is he's a three with a four wing okay. with a strong four wing, mm-hmm. right? And so 
I think that's a, a real gift for threes, specifically threes with a four wing, but threes with a two wing could be the same thing. But threes with a four wing to be able to actually press into that real raw emotion in a very honest way mm. is an incredible, like um, almost like rounding out of their threeness, right? Yeah. Because threes can so often try to try to like suppress that part of themselves. And so letting their four wing kind of flap a little bit and bring that to the surface, um, I think is something that, that a lot of threes could, mm. could learn from. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. And he said something that, um, I'm not a three and I think that there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who are also not threes, Yeah. but he mentioned this thing that he was wrestling with for a while is he would get home at the end of the day and would have kind of this like a wave of loneliness, like mm. this, like kind of, um, inauthentic or unauthentic, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of feeling flood over him and talking about this mask that he or multiple masks that he kind of been hiding by at the end of the day and realizing that nobody actually knew Matt. Um, and I'll let, I mean, he's going to explain that a way better than, than I am, but as a seven over the last two weeks, that has been just on the front of my mind. Like Mm. when I step into a situation, it's like, man, am I hiding behind the mask of this coping mechanism? Right. Or am I hiding behind the mask of adventure or, the funny guy or something silly like that <laughs> right? Um, versus just getting to be me. And so I think that's a lesson for any type who's yeah. diving into this episode. Absolutely. Well, excited to share this. And last thing before we get into it is I want to make sure and uh, push his podcast that mm-hmm. he's doing right now called Helmet Theory. Uh, it is, I, I have really, really enjoyed it. I don't know if you've gotten to listen to many of the episodes yet, yeah. but, but I've been tracking with it since I started it and it's just been so good. It's a, it's a little controversial, mm-hmm. right? Especially if you're in Bible Belt America, they yep. they talk about some things that are pretty controversial in in this part of the country, and take those things on you know head on, which is you know why it's called helmet. <laughs> and so um, it's I have really enjoyed it. So if you if that sounds interesting to you, go and, and give that a chance. Listen to an episode or two. Subscribe. Give them some love over there. Helmet Theory Podcast with uh, Matt Hep and our other friend Matt Nichols. They're doing good stuff over there. So I think that's it. We'll get into the interview uh, with Matthew Hep. All right, Matt Hep, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. How are you doing? What's up, guys? I'm doing well. We are glad to have you here. It's a reunion of sorts. The the three of us uh, have, have spent some time together and have been on various... Uh, iterations of podcasts together yeah i was gonna say i've we've podcasted uh ryan we had you on what a month ago on ours Something, and then yeah and then my roots of podcasting are with cody man that's where that's yeah, where man. it all started yeah officially unofficial <laughs> i had somebody I the other day ask podcast. me about that I said something about my podcast. They're like, oh yeah, are you still doing that officially unofficial? And I was like, oh, you've been, you've been off Facebook for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's still up. So five, five gold episodes ready for the taking. Yeah, let's, I don't know. Let's hey, where they're at. I, I, I don't know what that. I did. I enjoyed that. And, you know, so whenever I decided I'm going to start a podcast, I was like, well, I want one of these two to be my co host. <laughs> you, you chose the less controversial one, I see. <laughs> no, you're, you are already taken. You, yeah. you had your own podcast already going. That's true. I, I was you're smoking in the, for. You're in the big leagues, bro. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, for those that are listening into our, our conversation here, which, you know, hopefully is a whole bunch of people at this point, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, you know, Matt, we obviously know you well, but listeners may or may not. So give us a little introduction to yourself and um, yeah, let's just start there. Sure. So I actually don't know how to introduce myself because I, I, I'll i start with, uh, I am the co-host along with one of my best friends, Matt Nichols. We co-host a podcast called Helmet Theory Podcast and we discuss faith, life, God, uh, the deconstruction process. We, um, the big thing that we do, I think, is invite people to the table from across the spectrum. And a lot of times for us, it's, it is kind of in that realm of all things faith and spirituality and things. But, you know, we've taught, we've addressed other topics too. We just kind of, if something seems like it's an interesting topic that we could gain perspective on, then we see if we can find somebody uh, to chat with us a little bit. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We do that. And then I do, uh, you know, the really cool thing that I do is my day job, which is working in the banking world. Um, it's about as fun as it sounds. <laughs> well, I've uh, enjoyed your new podcast as well. Um, you know, you and you and Nichols or, or Matt and Matt, as as it's termed sometimes. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy your guys' podcast. I think it's timely. Uh, what I mean by that is, is I think we're in a world right now that doesn't always do a great job of listening uh, and being open to people with perspectives that don't necessarily line up with their own. And so that's one of the things I appreciate most about you guys is your willingness to engage in conversations with people that you may not see eye to eye on, but it's none of your episodes have been a fight. <laughs> you know, they've right. been a conversation and I've appreciated that and um, appreciated the chance to be on it too. So um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Go check it out uh, if you haven't you. already. So, um, well, tell us a little bit more, you know, just kind of your, you know, we're talking about Enneagram on here, obviously. So talk about that, how you came to to know about Enneagram at all and what that journey was like for you and eventually, you know, figuring out what number you were. Yeah, that's kind of a, it's uh, my Enneagram journey has been on the one hand, completely obvious to me once I had a bit of a paradigm to view personalities through. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of had a lot of ups and downs. It's it's really sent me on a search. So the first time that I ever was introduced to the Enneagram, I was going through a pretty difficult season of life. I was I had recently left my ministry job, which was for me a pretty big deal because a lot of my identity was kind of tied up in that. And so to walk out of that and to kind of wonder what you're going to do, what you're interested in, kind of leads you into the who am I question. And so there was a lot of wounds I was working through and a lot of uh, growth that I was seeking. Uh, not to mention I had gone through a divorce, which for anybody that's been in anywhere near one of those, you know that it's not fun <laughs> for anybody. And so it was just a it was just a kind of a season of seeking and searching and trying to figure out things. And Joey Cook, a buddy of all of ours. I, I, somehow we had gotten to talking and uh, he sent me a link to this Enneagram thing. And you know how Joey is when Joey gets excited about something like everybody knows about it and everyone, you know, it's just, he's got that kind yeah, of contagious yeah. evangelist nature about him. <laughs> so I click the link and I go take the test and it spits out some results and emails me. And, you know, of course, I don't know if everyone's like this, but typically what happens is on a personality test, my first instinct is to learn about 
me, what number yeah. or letter or color or whatever test you're taking. I want to know <laughs> about that one. Right. And so that's what I did. And I learned a little bit about that. Didn't pay attention to any of the other ones <laughs> because I didn't understand how all the, all the types, especially on the Enneagram were sort of woven together and how they contrast and how they work together and complement one another. And so it spit me out this number. It said, you are probably a three with a four wing. I mm. said, great. I don't know what that means. This is awesome. <laughs> I, I know who I am now. <laughs> and so I didn't touch it for, you know, I, I read the little paragraph or so that it spits out at you. And I thought, well, that's cool. And I didn't touch it for months. And I don't know, I don't know when I picked it up again. I, I think I was listening to a podcast or something and somebody alluded to it and I went, oh, that's that thing that I did. So I began listening and I took a couple more of the little free tests and they all spit out similar answers. But one of the things somebody had said on a podcast was that rather than taking a test and just accepting a number and then being and identifying with that number, what the, the healthiest approach is to kind of get a high level understanding of all the numbers and then see which one resonates with you. And what I found was that three and that four, it was really poking at some areas in me. And it, but it was different than a lot of the, the personality type of tests that I'd taken. A lot of them, they sort of, they kind of give you just a, a, a little glimpse as to here's who you are and why you do things. And there's a lot of understanding in it. But what was different about the Enneagram is it started digging into parts of me that were actually wounds and there were <laughs> things from my upbringing. And yeah. so this is all going on while I'm actively going to counseling and dealing with a lot of these types of things anyways. And so it was just, I was kind of swimming in an ocean of studying me and studying what it means to be me and using the Enneagram as a vehicle to help me get there. And so that's, believe it or not, the short version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so. Matt, do you feel like you've landed on that three, four wing? Today, I do. Okay. Okay. Two weeks, two weeks ago, I was sitting there and I was having, I do this occasionally and there's, and I, I'll, I'll text somebody probably every two or three months, I'll have a bit of a crisis and I'll text like uh, my buddy, Ben Hoover. He's a big Enneagram guy. And I texted him. I'm like, dude, I don't, I think I might be a four and I'll text Ryan. What was it? Two weeks ago, probably three weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe I, I can't remember. Yeah. I texted him and I was like, dude, I'm really thinking I've got it wrong here. <laughs> and the reason why I think that, and, and I don't think that's true, by the way, I actually do think I'm a three and I think I have a very strong four wing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people that know me would probably agree with yeah, that. I can see that for sure. And so the reason that I found myself questioning it was because, you know, the fours are, are kind of known to be the individualists, the creatives, they kind of, they want to be different. And, you know, that that's kind of their aim. And, and there's something in me with the threes uh, you see a lot of guys, a lot of staple threes are like that I've seen. They show like big corporate guys who have advanced in the company or started yeah. this or that. And I didn't resonate with that. I, I would go through these moments of freaking out because during some of the jobs I've had, I have not, it's not that I didn't do good. I did do good and I did feel competitive and I wanted to do the best I could, but I didn't feel that thing where I didn't feel like anyone was ever going to look at me or that I was going to look at myself and go, that's Matt, the guy that made it to the top of the banking industry. And he's redefined, you know, like, I, and what I realized was, well, two things, number one, not, you don't have to be a four to be creative or unique or right. any of those things. And number two, not, not everyone that's a three, uh, puts their threeness, so to speak, 
into career. Yeah. And so the things that I'm passionate about typically have not been within the vocation that I'm in. And so there's that internal conflict of, man, I've got all these hobbies and things that I really love and that I'm interested in and I want to pursue them, but because they're not my job, I feel like, oh, I must not be a three. Mm. And so that was kind of a, that was kind of a, uh, false way of looking at it. And I, I kind of came to that conclusion, at least for today. So, so I, I want to, I want us to get into how the Enneagram has helped as far as like relationships, you know, people around you, people that you work with, but just from what you said there, I did think of one question I want to ask first. And, and that is like being a three with a four wing. So something that I know is common with with a three with a four wing or sometimes four with a three wing, but, but more was threes with four wings is, you know, threes have this power to, to kind of wear any hat, play any role, do what is expected of them. Uh, whereas fours have this just deep drive and need for authenticity and, and usually really um, almost despise anybody they think is coming across as, as disingenuous right? Uh, And so there can be a real big conflict between threes and fours there because threes are trying to just, you know, put on a mask, play the part, whatever it is. And fours think that masks and things like that are just complete, you know, bull. Mm -hmm. And so threes with four wings oftentimes feel a lot of internal conflict with those two things going on inside of them. Is that anything that you resonate with? And, And if so, what has that been like? Yeah, completely, completely resonate with that. It, it's been so interesting. What I found about the Enneagram, first of all, is that it, it more than it does show you about yourself, it gives you language to express what's already there. Hmm. So a lot of times what I found for myself is that I know certain parts of me. I know the way that my brain works or, or my natural disposition towards certain topics, issues, behaviors, et cetera. But what the Enneagram did was give me a, a language to be able to express and articulate that. And so what would happen, I always use this story. I've told it several times, but I remember as a three, like you said, there's a lot of the the mask wearing. And I would say that right there is probably the nail in the coffin for me being a three. That was the thing that I went, oh yeah, no, that's because I have worn many a mask. Um, Yet at the same time, there is that strong four wing in me where I call BS on myself and on other people. And I get frustrated at, at, at that disingenuous like place that, that, yeah. And so I remember one time I was at this bonfire. This was probably a year and a half ago. And, you know, I'm walking around being the social butterfly. I'm kind of hanging in clusters of people and moving to the next cluster. And I'm just kind of all over the place. Well, I meet this guy and he's kind of a good old boy, just a Southern guy. Uh, he's wearing boots. You know, he's, uh, he kind of talks with a little bit more of a draw. Uh, getting to talking to him, I realized he likes to hunt, fish, you, you know, just very Southern Arkansas type of guy. Yeah. So I'm sitting there talking with him and we're having a good conversation. And because of that mask wearing threeness, which doesn't always have to be a negative thing, by the way, right? Yeah. I knew how to relate to him. I knew that I could be me and relate to this guy. And I felt like that was a strength and I was getting to know him and it was a, a good conversation. Meanwhile, another one of my friends walks up. Now, this particular friend is not Southern Arkansas hunting, fishing. In fact, he's a very like gentle spirit. He likes to play video games. He's one of the kindest people I know. He's compassionate. I mean, this is a guy who does not follow this weird masculine thing that's out there. Right. Like he's very masculine, but he's not the, he's not that. And so he walks up. So now I've got country boy, redneck guy and counterculture, gentle, masculine guy over here. Now we're in the right. same conversation. 
And I had a moment, it was a very conscious moment. This was not like a, oh, I realized it later. It was in the moment where I was talking to, I introduced them and I was kind of talking and now we're all three in a conversation. And I realized I didn't know who to be. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if I should be sweet and gentle and like emotional and vulnerable or if I should be rough and tough. And I, and I literally kind of, I literally kind of freaked out and I walked off. I mean, I, I kind of made an excuse. I didn't just walk off like a freak. I made an excuse to go get a drink or something. <laughs> and when I walked off, I was like, holy crap, that is super weird. What's going on? And so, yeah, there is an internal war. And the hardest thing about it is that I do call BS on myself quite a bit. I'll notice that I'm masking. So the hard part is at what point are you putting on a mask that's unhealthy because you're being a poser and you're being fake and you're not being true to yourself versus no, I'm actually I'm actually mirroring this other person so that they feel more comfortable because we all feel more comfortable around people that are like us. Mm. We just do. Yeah. And so I think a lot of threes have really good intentions when it come to, comes to those masks, but kind of that shadow side, there's always that unhealthy side where it can go from I'm accommodating to this person as a means to better understand and know and relate to them. And it can come off as, no, I've completely lost myself and I've let go of me and I've taken on them. And that's where the four will start screaming. Yeah, yeah. So- what then does it mean to you if let's say we were in a conversation, you know, somewhere not on a podcast and and I felt like you were wearing a mask around me and not being really being you and I said to you, "Man, take off the mask, just be yourself." Man, what would that make me feel? Is that what the question was? What How would, would make I respond? You feel, what does that mean? Like, mm -hmm. would you know what to do with that? I think now I'm I'm probably the healthiest I've been in a long time. So I think now that that conversation would be uh, a really helpful conversation. I think if there's somebody that knows me well enough to be able to say that to me. I think I could take that advice and I could I could ask questions to kind of further dig into well, what do you mean? Why, when you say I'm wearing a mask, what is it that seems inauthentic or fake? Hmm. But I, I do think, you know, not too long ago, it would have struck a nerve. I mean, it really would have caused me to feel very insecure. I don't think I would have called it that at the time because I, I you know, who wants to talk about themselves being insecure, but, right. but I do think it would have, it would have made me feel insecure. It would have probably, if I didn't, you know, depending on the relationship, if it was one of you guys and I know you, I probably wouldn't have gotten uber defensive, but I probably would have stewed on it a little bit. I probably would have wondered what I did. Um, and, and, and what it really does, the heart of that, it's not that you called me out because I don't mind being called out. Um, I don't necessarily like it, but I don't <laughs> mind it. Right. What it really does, it gets to that heart of that one question that's plagued me for so long. And that is, who am I? Mm. And if Cody or Ryan can say to me, Hey man, you're wearing a mask and it's that obvious. And I've gotten so good at wearing a mask that that mask has become normal. It's like method actors. You know, you hear about these guys like Daniel Day Lewis or right. wh whoever, and they go into character and they stay in character for days or weeks or months or however long. And that is a fair, not from an acting perspective, but from just a human consciousness perspective when you're trying to just be that's a very scary place to be when you go not only do i not know who i am but instead of doing the work to figure it out i'm just pretending to be something or someone else and that's what gets really scary now i will say and this may be true of other threes as well a, a lot of people i think are handed an expectation of who they are hmm. and i think that's good within reason so when you're when you're a young boy or a girl you know your parents have a lot to say in who you are maybe not yeah. at that very core level not how you think but there's certain language that you can and can't use there may be certain religious practices or values in the home and those aren't always yours you've inherited those things 
Mm-hmm. Now, for a guy like me, and, and I don't even know if this is true of all three, so I'm kind of getting more personal than I am generalizing. But for a guy like me who grew up in more of a conservative, maybe fundamentalist Christian world, um, you know, when I became, when I turned 17, I decided I was going to be a pastor. That was what I wanted to do. I, I, we called it surrendering to the ministry. <laughs> so I threw my hands up, as Ryan says, and I surrendered. <laughs> but what happens, though, is in, in the world that I grew up in, that was next level Christianity. So if you wanted to be a young man, and follow God and be serious about your faith, the next thing that you did was you became a pastor. Hmm. Now with that, especially in the world of religious dogma and rules and expectation, and I think this is true in a lot of religious systems, but we tend to, we tend to mute or put boundaries around people because we have to protect the brand. Hmm. And so this may be true of any team, whether it's a religious team, it could be a, a marketing company, it could be a, a team at a bank, it, you know, it could be anything. You know, there are certain things we do or we don't do or we allow and we don't allow because we have to protect the image. I'm not, hmm. I, I'm going to get in trouble if I go out and do some crazy stuff publicly. The bank's going to say, wait, you work here and, and right. now, now our brand is tarnished. And so what was happening during a lot of my developmental years was instead of asking the questions, I was terrified to ask the questions because I had, I had been given the answer of what next level Christianity looked like what it means to be a person of faith, what it means to, to really succeed in this paradigm. And so I couldn't let myself ask those questions. I couldn't entertain the thought. I, I knew what I needed to be. And so I would be that mm. even if it wasn't authentic. And a lot of times it wasn't authentic. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, uh, Cody, I, I'm going to give you a chance to jump in here. Uh, I've been talking a lot, but you have any thoughts around that? Um, yeah. So Matt, one of the things that I'm curious about, cause we, you and I used to live life, um, a lot closer proximity and just, you know, like hanging out um, more than regular. And especially when you were going through a lot of the stuff that you referenced earlier, Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that I, you know, watch is that, you know, when to what you just said is that typically threes in moments of stress or lack of security, the image is what becomes elevated because it's like when everything else is falling apart, what I have built up and the achievements that I have, you know, accomplished or achieved, um, like I can still hold on to those things and the image becomes elevated. Um, and so, but, but there's something interesting to me about threes is that, you know, threes being the center of that kind of heart center is it that, you know, people a lot smarter than me say things like that threes are the most disconnected from their emotions um, and, and going through and processing the things that you've gone through and now remarried, you know, doing a podcast where you're treading into uncharted waters on a regular basis Um what does that look like for you? What does that look like to um, kind of, yeah, like wage war with your emotions or do you, do you feel that disconnect? Well, so that's, that's a really interesting question. That is one of the things that had me questioning whether or not I was a three or not, because I've always felt like a, a deeply emotional person. I feel things very deeply. Both of you have seen me sad, angry, excited, all the emotions. And I guarantee you that if you were to describe me in any of those states, we're at a seven or an eight, at least, you know, I don't, I don't feel things down here at the level one, two right. or three. I'm up here. Yeah. I feel them at yeah. a maximum capacity. Mm-hmm. So I think that while I didn't feel disconnected from my emotions, there were a lot of cultural influence that influences that did make me feel like I needed to be disconnected. Now, yes. the one thing about about being a, a very strong four wing, and I've really grown to appreciate that, by the way, the four wing, I think, has brought so much balance to me because that part of me that, that wants to be genuine and authentic, the four is going, yes, feed me. I'm ready. Be vulnerable, (laughs) transparent, open, honest. It doesn't matter what anybody says. 
go for it. And the three's like in the corner going, but I don't want (laughs) to, what will they think? But yeah, the, the disconnection from emotion, I think was a lot. Number one, we've got a message in our culture, especially with men that says, be disconnected from your emotions. Don't cry, you know? And so there, there are messages woven from a very early age into our culture that we grow up with these messages that may not be spoken with words, but they are spoken with intention and action. And so maybe no one ever said to you, don't be connected to your emotions, but you understand what it means when people act in a way that, that sends that message. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, uh, kind of back to that, to that question, like that, all that's great. And I, and I, I would affirm that I've seen you step into all of that, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So how has that affected looking at relationships maybe five years ago versus relationships right now? Like how has that changed? How is, how have things shifted with you being more, um, in tune with your emotions and having control over them rather than having control over you? If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Absolutely. Well, let me just say first off that if I've learned anything through this journey, um, I'm st- I have not graduated from insecurity. <laughs> I've not graduated from feeling disconnected from my emotions. These are things that are very real. I was just talking to Matt Nichols, the other co-host, uh, I mean, a week or two ago, and I was telling him, man, I'm trying so hard on this podcast to, to be whatever version of me is present right now, whoever I am right now in this moment, I just want to be that for better or for worse. But as we record an episode and we talk to a guest, especially guests who might cover topics that are a bit taboo or controversial even, and I, and I see a laptop in front of me and there's a microphone in front of my face and I'm editing, I have to go back and edit and cut and chop and listen. And I go, man, I'm, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm further along than I was. Mm-hmm. And I think, how that's, I think how that's played out in relationships, my wife is a really good example. First of all, she's a two and everything that I've read, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm an expert here, but twos and threes, they play well together. <laughs> and uh, my wife has been really good for me because she, she's given me permission, which is funny, right? That we need permission. We don't, but sometimes we do. Sometimes we need someone to tell us that we don't need it. Yeah, and right. my wife has told me that she's, you don't need permission. My wife has been, uh, unapologetically in my corner through the good and the bad. And one thing that I've really learned through that relationship, especially, I mean, we're talking about a person who, you know, for instance, her vocation is very much tied to what I think she was meant to do. She's a counselor and she's fantastic at it. She's great at it. And she is so comfortable with who she is. She doesn't, I don't see the things that I see in me. I don't see in her. I don't see her feeling the need to fill empty space. I don't see her needing to be, at the center of attention or needing to please people or needing to phrase things a certain way. Some of my greatest strengths are, are some of the things that give me the most trouble. You know, some of the things that make me such a good salesman are the things that make me so shallow in relationships. And what's really, what's really unfortunate about it is through those relationships, the other person might be really engaged and invested. And then it turns out they've, they've been invested with someone that actually wasn't me. Hmm. And so the risk that, that when you're not true to yourself, especially as a three, when, when you're not striving, at least, to be true to yourself, you're not only not being true to yourself, but you're actually not being true to those around you. And so those relationships become superficial. They're based on something that's not even real. And so, for instance, you know, a lot of times um, I might have a conversation with someone or get an opportunity to maybe do something cool. Like in the past, I've spoken at different events and things like that. And that feels really good. Like for a guy like me, it feels so good. You've got a crowd of people affirming you. And when I, when I got out of the ministry world where, where I was in front of people a lot, um, 
what I realized was how many nights I was going home and feeling empty because affirmation of my mask is not affirmation of me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so I had placed myself in a position to be praised or affirmed or validated. Mm. But the truth of it is I was never affirmed or praised or validated that thing that I, the role that I played, you know, I'd taken on a role. I was a method actor. I'd taken on a role and people loved the character. Yeah. Some people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, now how it's, how it's changed is, and, and it's been a really interesting season. That, that question is really actually very timely because we just moved to a new area. Um, so I'm working with new people. I've got new neighbors. Everything around me is different. I, I don't have social comfort the way that I once did. And so it's been really fun to unapologetically be me. And I feel mm. like people are getting to know me and I'm not scared anymore to let them see bad parts of me. Yeah. Or, you know, I say that in air quotes, bad parts of me, yeah. weak parts of me, maybe a, a better way to say that. Mm. There's parts of me that they need work and I don't feel yeah. the need to hide that from people anymore. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. Somebody, uh, I listened to something, uh, it was a few weeks ago and they were talking to a three and basically the whole episode revolved around like that millisecond between backstage and on stage and what happens in that moment that shifts that person from backstage Cody to stage Cody, you know, mm-hmm. um, and trying to become aware to, of that and to eliminate that. Um, and the guy that was talking, I think was a counselor and he was talking about like when he meets with, you know, people who are threes or identify like that as like, Hey, meet me backstage. Like that's, that's who I want to meet. That's who I'm trying to come and like, you know, relate with. And so it sounds like you've done that work, man. And like, you know, and are continuing to do that work, but of trying to become more aware of like what happens in that um, in that shift and, um, allowing people to see more of backstage Matt, you know, which, um, is, but man, like what a, what a quote you said earlier that affirmation of the mask is not really affirmation of, of me. Um, and man, just the, like just the loneliness that would come, you know, from that. Um, and then the motivation to achieve more, it's just, it's just, it's just like one of those uh, addiction loops, you know, it's like, I don't feel like people know me, so I need to do more so that they'll see me. But even that version of me that's accomplishing a lot isn't really me, potentially. Yeah. Well, um, and let me, let me tell you what happens on an internal, those people that are closest around you. I think unhealthy threes would do really well to understand that an unhealthy three might affect those in close proximity more than any other number. I, I don't know mm. that to be true. I'm really only speaking from my experience, but I'll, I'll say it like this. When I was a college pastor and I had all these college people and some of them looked up to me or thought that I was whatever, you know, cool or spiritual or whatever they may have thought. Um, and so when you go home and, and the loneliness kind of kicks in and you realize that all of that was for your character and not for you, mm. you resent yourself. Mm. Um, but here's what happens when you resent yourself typically in my experience is that you don't just resent yourself and and begin to emotionally or physically even self harm it, it it didn't really work like that for me but if you were to if you were to look at some of my own my most unhealthy seasons of life uh, if you were to go talk to my ex-wife for instance you know who who do you think bore the brunt of an unhealthy mat who do you think bore the brunt of a resentful self-indulged unsatisfied person i don't want to feel pain why would yeah. I want to feel pain? And and we have this really manipulative, tricky way where instead of just feeling that that pain and sitting in that, we can project that onto those around us. Mm. And so those who got closest to me, 
probably they probably felt what I'm talking about. And and then what happens is in a way you've created a situation for that pain to manifest, but it's not the heart or the core of the pain. It's it's this symptom of the pain. So now I'm fighting with somebody. I'm arguing and defending and I'm I'm angry and irritable, but I'm not really angry and irritable at them. They were just the scapegoat for my lack of self-awareness and my lack of of doing the work of of getting down and and dirty with my own wounds. Yeah. Man, well, I'm sure there are you know, if there are threes listening to this right now, you might have them, uh, might have them emotional at the moment. You know, we, we won't tell on them cause we don't want anybody. They're to all know. wondering if they're fours. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, man, I mean, just a lot of that is super insightful and, and vulnerable, which is something that, you know, I know doesn't come easy for threes. So mm-hmm. for what it's worth, thanks for for sharing yeah. that stuff. And um, I don't know, that's, I think it's just an important important, lots of important moments in that and realizations and things. And so, um, yeah, I don't want to downplay any of that at all and just kind of declare that, you know, this, this has been really, really good. Um, in saying that I do want to transition us a little bit to talking about taking this insight that you've had and applying it in uh, team settings and leadership capacities and things like that. So, so all of these just incredible lessons that you've learned around self-awareness and, and all that. How would you say that has impacted the way that you, that you work, that you interact with teammates and the way that you lead others? Cause you are in a position of leadership, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, that's a great question. I think that the biggest distinction I could make is, is maybe to say it like this <clears throat> um, prior to getting a little bit healthier, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm Mr. Healthy and please don't, view me as the, you know, the healthy three by any means. I'm just a guy trying to do my best. But I think a distinction I can make would be in group settings and team settings um, in leadership roles that I've had, the root of what I was doing, the motivation behind what I was doing, it was very self-centered. How can I increase my platform? How can I get, uh, if I'm speaking to a group of people, how can I get them to be engaged in a way that's both affirming and validating for me. And and those that makes everything about me. It doesn't matter if it's in a ministry setting or if it's in my current bank setting. If if I sit there with the people that work with me or under me or any of that and I have that mentality, that does nobody good but me and it serves only my agenda. Now the transition that I try to make is first of all I think unlocking the enneagram is is a really powerful tool because for anybody in leadership to understand the enneagram is to understand everyone on your team a little bit better. Mm. And I think a good leader wants to understand his team and he wants the team to move forward. He he doesn't want to move forward. Yeah. So my posture now is not simply how can Matt get praise? How can Matt get a promotion? How can I look good? Now I look at those around me and I go, you know, wait, so-and-so is very analytical and detail oriented or so-and-so is very uh, uh, soft spoken and gentle in nature and very um, absorbs maybe whatever the tone is that's around them. And I don't want to just succeed anymore. That's I've, I wouldn't say I've tasted like large amounts of success, but those moments of quote success that I've had, it's, it's just like, it's like lighting a match, you know, it lights and then it goes out and then you're just holding a burnt piece of wood. (laughs) And what I think is not only healthier, but a lot more rewarding is to kind of have a paradigm shift and go, you know Mm -hmm. what, I'm not going to view leadership or team centric activities 
and synergy. I'm not going to view that through how I can look like the good leader and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I actually want to, I want people to see the team that I'm on and go, man, that team is strong. I want us all to get promotions. I want the guy that's a part-time teller in college and he shows up for four hours, three times a week to run transactions and do tedious teller work. I want him to go to that next level. I want him to go full-time or I want him to go to lending or whatever it is in the bank world. Right. And so I think what really, I could have said this a lot shorter by saying it like this, the focus shifts from being a me centric. It really is a healthy three learns how to, how to dissolve the ego a little bit. Yeah. And look at the yeah. the communal good. For sure. Yeah, I think one of the things that, that I've seen, in, and Matt, tell me if I'm on or off with this, but it's like when I've seen a three go from, or when, I, when I've seen a three take their individual drive for success and achievement and invite others into that, or even crazier, join somebody else's um, kind of journey towards success um, and basically contribute their passion and their drive. Um, yeah, I th- you, you go from, like you said, the, the me success to like the, when we all succeed that I'm also succeeding. And, um, and yeah, I've seen, I've seen threes do that really, really well. Um, but it, it takes work. It takes work. Cause I mean, it's a, there's that fear that if I invite others into my own, um, personal, journey of success and they could screw it up for me, you know, which <laughs> absolutely. is, which is a scary place to be. I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the biggest things that a three can understand is that to be a healthy three, you are going to step into an ocean of vulnerability and it's going to be rewarding and it's going to be progressive. It's going to help you be forward in, in your own personal journey, but it is not comfortable at first. Yeah, for sure. But, but with it comes a lot of humility. Yeah. You know, yeah. You get served humble pie, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, man. Um, All right. So last kind of question here, we'll wrap it up after this, but what would you say to, to other threes that might be listening that are uh, in leadership roles, are working with teams and are maybe, I don't know, struggling with some of the stuff you were just talking about, about vulnerability and, and taking on the risk of others, uh, impacting your own success, what would you say to encourage or challenge or spur on other threes that are, are maybe, you know, a few steps behind where you're at? Uh, well, I would say that if you look at some of the most successful people in the world, none of them got there by themselves. Fact, mm-hmm. none of them got them got there by themselves. They all had other people, a team or, or other partners or whatever it may be. They all had people around them. And I, I can just tell you, nobody wants to be around an unhealthy three. We are not fun to be around in unhealth. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I was talking to a group of threes, or if you're out, if you're listening and you are a three, um, I would say, number one, give up the mask. The mask is not helpful. Hmm. It's not healthy. And even if everyone loves it, it's a facade. If hmm. everyone loves it, that doesn't mean they love you. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Hmm. I think the second thing I would say is uh, don't be afraid of weakness. Hmm. I think a lot of threes, we have this desire to be the best. We want to be the best, the funniest, at the top, the smartest. We want to be the best at everything. And you might be able to do that, but then what? Like what if if you, Mr. or Mrs. Three, become the best, then what? Yeah. You know, that doesn't do anything, not in and of itself. So I think that, and you know, beyond the Enneagram, a, a big thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is just the idea of the ego. And 
it just gets in our way. And I think that a lot of threes are very in tune with their ego. We'll say it like that. That'll be the diplomatic way to say it. Um, so yeah, I think we, I, I think threes myself and, and all other threes alike would do well to be about something bigger than your own promotion or self-image or ego. Yeah. I love that. Um, Cody, any kind of closing thoughts from you? Man, Matt, it was just good to hang out and do a podcast again, bro. It's been a long Absolutely, time. Absolutely, man. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, I can tell you already, this this is going to be one of my favorite ones that we've done so far. Uh, it, it's <laughs> just been really good. Um, hearing stuff from your perspective uh, and your honesty. I appreciate that. Uh, if you are listening to this and haven't checked out Helmet Theory podcast yet, I would highly recommend that. Absolutely. Uh, you can find that pretty much anywhere where you find podcasts, I believe. Um, Matt, any other ways that people could connect with you that you want to throw out there right now? Yeah, you can find me. I mean, if you just want to connect with me personally, uh, I think my Instagram handle is Matt underscore underscore Hep, H-E-P-P. So feel free to- You, you got that double it. underscore. Was Matt underscore Hep already taken? Yeah, it was. And I was, I was pretty upset about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but it is what it is. Uh, so yeah, you can find me there. You can find me on Facebook. I do not have TikTok yet because I don't understand it. I think I've gotten to that age where <laughs> technology has surpassed me. So, but yeah, yeah, check out the podcast. I mean, we'd love any feedback or any, you know, just uh, we, we think the conversations are really good, not because we're having them. In fact, a lot of times we just try to get out of the way, but <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love what you guys do there. And yeah, sometime soon, we're also going to share uh, the episode that I was able to come and be a guest on your podcast. We're going to share that on our feed as well, but uh, you can go check that out now as well too. And um, yeah, give them a, a subscribe and, and good ratings, things like that. And um, yeah, I think that's it. All good here, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you guys having me on again. That was really fun. For sure. Absolutely. All right. We will catch you on the next episode of another Enneagram podcast. Hey, thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast. As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you are learning how to lead their teams better using the Enneagram, and you can too. So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media and leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good you know, reviews and ratings. That would be great. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram. We're at another Enneagram or head over to our website, anotherenneagram.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Another Enneagram Podcast.